our series on the Holy Spirit that we'll be taking the next five or six weeks to, to go through. Um, last week, Duncan kicked it off, and we saw that the Holy Spirit is both co-equal and co-eternal. So like the Father and the Son, you might say the Holy Spirit is both divine and distinct. Uh, the, the Christian God is a trinity, is three persons, yet one God. We also noticed last week that the Holy Spirit is sent by the Father and the Son. That he comes and acts for both of them. Today we're going to be looking at the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. And as we do, I think it's important for us to note that because the Spirit is sent by the Son and the Father, we don't find the activity of the Spirit in Scripture happening in isolation from the person and work of Jesus Christ, nor do we see it happening in isolation from the eternal will of the Father. I've chosen the reading this week, the same reading as we had last week, the, the discourse in John's Gospel where Jesus is instructing his disciples. Uh, he's about to go to the cross. And we have this block of teaching where the Holy Spirit is being taught by Jesus. And so if you've got your Bibles there, please turn to John chapter 14. Our, our passage, you could start from verse 15 like Duncan did last week, but I'm going to just start from verse 21 and go to through to verse 26. So John chapter 14, verse 21 through to 26. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to Jesus, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him. And we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me, does not love, uh, whoever does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. This is the word of the Lord. My wife and I recently had the task of assembling the trampoline that will take pride of place in our backyard. And I'm going to make a pretty big assumption here this morning, but I think it's a fair assumption that most people in this room have had the task of assembling a piece of furniture of some sort, or at least you've seen someone else trying to do it. Now, I'm, 
I'm assuming that there's probably three approaches you could make when it comes to assembling a trampoline or some piece of furniture. The first approach is to try it on your own without getting any assistance from outside of you. Uh, most blokes will, will go for this approach at some stage. We might have an idea of how things should look like in the end, and we're willing to give it a crack anyway on our own. But I think this, with this approach, it's safe to say that it, it will end in failure. It'll, it's likely to end in an I told you so from your wife as well and quite possibly end in a trip to the emergency department. That's the first approach. The second approach is to attempt the assembly with instructions, with a set of instructions. The people that do this are either the husbands who have listened to their wives, or maybe they're the people that just love having everything laid out clearly, open in front of them. They like to know what's required of them. Now, this approach usually ends in frustration. Uh, it also probably ends in, in time spent away from the company of others on your own. So maybe that's a draw card for you. I don't know. A bit of peace and quiet. That's the first two approaches. Then there's the third approach. It's an approach that I've not, not too long ago realised is an option. It's the approach to have a person from the manufacturer come and actually do the job with you. You get someone who is both qualified and certified to come and make the thing happen. And if you follow this approach, you'll guarantee that it'll be put together right the first time. You're guaranteed to be keeping in the, the good books with the family and most likely keeping out of the emergency department. And I wonder if this is how some of us approach life and the Bible. Some people will try to put it together without any direction or outside help. Others will look for, for some instructions for life, something to help them get the, the job done, the set of requirements clearly laid out for them. But I think those who will succeed at life will be the ones who do it in cooperation with the manufacturer. They'll do it in cooperation with the one whom the manufacturer sends. And as we'll see today, the Holy Spirit is the one whom the manufacturer has sent. And he cooperates with God's people by way of inspiration of the Word of God, interpretation of the Word of God, and the application of God's Word. It is important as we think about and look into the work of the Holy Spirit that we do not try to divorce the Holy Spirit's work from the Word of God. We cannot divorce his work from Scripture. So first up, we notice that the Holy Spirit is the inspirer of God's word. 
We see that most obviously almost in in 2 Timothy chapter 3, where the Apostle Paul says to Timothy, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. All scripture is breathed out by God. Scripture is also the cooperative work of the Holy Spirit through human agents, through people. Peter says, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention, as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is co-author in the word of God. David says in 2 Samuel 23, The Spirit of the Lord speaks by me. His word is on my tongue. And the prophet Jeremiah says, Then the Lord put his hand, put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, the Holy Spirit gave the, the writers and prophets of the Old Testament both their voice and their volition. Or you could say he gave them their message and their motivation. He gave them what to say and the drive to say it. The Holy Spirit is the co-author of the Scriptures. So whilst the prophets and the apostles might have penned the words of Scripture, the inspiration behind it belongs to the Holy Spirit. And we see evidence of this co-authorship through the message, the consistency of message, the truth that is maintained right the way through the Scriptures. And we see this consistency of message despite the writing styles, and despite the different languages that are used. See, Paul's letters might read differently in language to the letters of John, but their message is consistent. Their message that Jesus is Saviour and Lord The message that we only have life with God by his grace and through faith in our Lord Jesus. The Spirit enabled the prophets to speak the words of God accurately and with courage. He also enabled the apostles to remember with clarity what Jesus had said to them and to be able to record those words of Jesus for us. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit 
does most of his work behind the scenes. I wonder how many of us this morning have noticed the house lights that are on. Normally you don't notice those lights unless there's something wrong with them. See, the, the job of these house lights is not to draw attention to themselves, but to highlight the thing you're supposed to see. Unfortunately for the moment, that is me. No, it's the word of God. See, the Holy Spirit doesn't seek the spotlight. He's the one behind the spotlight, shining it. And he's shining it in the word of God on the person and work of Jesus Christ. He does his work most obviously for us through the word of God. And because the Holy Spirit inspires the word of God, it is the word of God. And therefore the Bible has authority for us as the word of God. One writer says, the words of the Bible matter, but only because they are the words of God. See, the person who doesn't acknowledge that the Bible is the word of God is like someone trying to assemble a flat pack without any direction. It will end in failure and should probably be seen as an emergency. But with this in mind, knowing that the Bible is God's word isn't much use to us if we can't understand the message. But praise God, the Holy Spirit also interprets the word of God. He helps us to know and understand the scriptures. John 14, 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said. He's the great teacher. And the Holy Spirit makes the, the word of God clear to us. It reminds me of the talk that Isaac did last week. Do you remember he had the, the picture there and he, he turned on the dark light? And when he did, it revealed to a fuller extent what the picture was. It gave us understanding of what the picture was all about. Now, for those of you who weren't here last week or, or haven't seen the effects of a dark light, imagine going into a, a room at night and you're sitting there with a book on your lap, but the lights are off. Now you can flick through the pages from one cover to the, to the other, but unless a light is switched on, you can't know what the words are saying. The Holy Spirit interprets the word of God for us. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, Yet among the mature... We do not impart wisdom. Sorry, we do impart wisdom. Although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden 
wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person, which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand these things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The Holy Spirit doesn't just author the Scriptures, he authenticates the scripture. He provides us with that aha moment where we can look at the words of, of the Bible and go, hang on, that's true. I, I know that is true. And no amount of evidence or argument from outside of the Bible can authenticate that in the way that the Holy Spirit does. Maybe you've come across this acronym for the Bible. The Bible being seen as basic instructions before leaving earth. Now this might seem clever, but I think there's danger that lurks in this view of Scripture. If all we see the Bible as is a set of instructions, friends, we will fail to understand its purpose and its message. See, if you understand the Bible in this way, you'll no doubt find it easy to see the letter of the law and miss the heart of the law. You'll probably struggle to see how these words should affect your life in anything other than just a set of standards that suggest a moral excellence. You might struggle to see it as anything more than just a list of do's and don'ts. See, the purpose in understanding the Word of God is not to fill our heads, but to fill our hearts it's not to fill our heads with knowledge of God, but to fill our hearts with a love for God. And the purpose behind that is so that we will do what it says. We're not to have big heads, but big hearts. Obedient hearts, loving hearts, and faithful hearts. This is the work of the Spirit as well. He doesn't just inspire 
the word and interpret the word, the Spirit of God also enables us to obey and apply the word in our lives. Jesus says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Understanding the word of God brings implications for us. See, living as a disciple with Jesus means living life with him. The disciples were participants with Jesus in his ministry. In John 16, 13, Jesus says, The Spirit of truth will now have this same ministry for us. And he needs to. Because understanding God as he has revealed himself in the scripture requires obedience. And we know we all struggle with that, don't we? It's not within us to obey, it's within us to rebel. But praise God, the Holy Spirit enables us to obey and apply the scriptures. Knowing the truth is useless if you don't apply it. The psalmist says, Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. Lead me in your truth. Teach me your paths. It requires participation. James makes this abundantly clear. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do." That's a beautiful illustration, isn't it? How many of us have looked in a mirror this morning and just sort of... I mean, there may have been a reason why you did a double take. But how many of us look in a mirror and then just forget about it? You look in the mirror. You see what you see. You give praise or you ask for assistance. But it reveals, reveals something about us, doesn't it? Could you, no, bed hair with me doesn't really work at the moment, does it? Could you imagine, no, it doesn't work with Duncan either, does it? Could you imagine someone getting up here in their pyjamas 
So did you not pass by a mirror or a reflective surface at some stage in your house? Oh, sorry, I forgot. It wouldn't happen. Don't deceive yourselves. Understand the word and do what it says. But I think many people who sit in churches are guilty of this, aren't we? And I wonder if this is because people sitting in churches, some of them, are actually outsourcing their interaction with the word of God. They're outsourcing it to other people. Rather than spending time in the Bible themselves, they turn up to church on a Sunday and just listen to what some other person says and take their word for it. Or maybe they listen to a a sermon online. Say, that'll do me. I trust them. Friends, these aren't bad things to do. But if they're the primary interaction that we have with the scriptures, we're selling ourselves short. We're missing out on the fundamental work of the Holy Spirit of God. Don't outsource your time in the word of God. Don't leave it to someone else. If you're doing this, it means you're missing out on intimacy with the Spirit of God. Intimacy that no experience can make up for. See, the Bible is not a book of instructions. They're the very words of God. And the Spirit of God is wanting to take that word and show you how it brings life. He's wanting to take that word and show you that God is a good, loving, and faithful God. A God who is calling you into relationship with him. He's wanting to take that word and show you your saviour. Your saviour who knows what it's like for you to be you. Your saviour who knows what it is to suffer. Your saviour who knows what it is to be bullied, to be mocked and to be shamed. Your saviour who knows what it is to be innocent, yet judged as guilty. The Holy Spirit wants to show us Jesus, to shine the spotlight on him so that the world may see him for who he truly is. And the Holy Spirit does this through the word of God. Don't outsource your time in the word of God to someone else. If you want to experience intimate relationship with God through his spirit, the fact is you need to be reading your Bible. 
We can't divorce the activity of the Spirit of God from the Word of God. The Spirit does not act in isolation to the person or work of Jesus. The Spirit does not act in isolation to the will of the Father. If you want to know that the Bible is truth and that what it says will in fact change your life, friends, you need to read it. Don't leave it to me. You'll miss out. You need to read it regularly. You need to read it in chunks. Read several chapters at a time. Read a whole letter at a time. Open up Philippians and just read it as a letter from the Apostle Paul to the church. Don't just approach your Bible as something you should read as just a verse or two. You'll miss out. Take the time. Read it in chunks. Read it regularly. Now, my prayer that this message this morning is not something that puts a burden on you. It's not something that makes you feel guilty. Like, oh, no, I'm not doing that. To be a good Christian, I need to do it better. Now, my prayer is that this morning you will see that our interaction with the Holy Spirit needs to happen with the Word of God open in front of us. And that because of that, because the Holy Spirit reveals our good, loving and faithful God through the words of Scripture, because that is where we find our Lord Jesus, my prayer is that that will drive you to sit down with it open on your lap and spend time in the Word of God. The same Spirit who is responsible for the inspiration of that Word is also responsible for the illumination of that Word. And God has sent His Spirit to us to indwell us and teach us and guide us. Now, if you do not have a Bible... Or if you haven't read it before and you would like to, come and see me. I've got a Bible for you. And I think it would be great if we could join you up with someone who could read it with you. Come and see me if that is you. I want to make this happen. The Bible is more available to us today than it has ever been. We've got it in hard copy We've got it on our phones and devices. We're really without excuse, aren't we? If reading is something that's difficult for you, or we've even got the Bible in audio forms, you can listen to the Bible. If you struggle to read the words, you can listen to them. I urge you, friends, make it happen. And as you read the Bible, it may seem obvious, but pray about what you're reading. Pray before you read it. Pray after you read it. 
Invite the Holy Spirit to teach you and change your heart and to reveal Jesus and how that should impact your life. Pray about it. Read it regularly. Read it in chunks. Friends, can I encourage you that as we do this, as we spend time in the Word of God, inspired, interpreted, and applied through the work of the Holy Spirit, then we will have communion and intimacy with God in a way that nothing else can substitute. Let me pray. Our Lord and our God, we thank you that you are a good, loving and faithful God. We acknowledge that so often we look to go it alone or we, we see your word as something that might be just a list of instructions or do's and don'ts or a moral standard to be achieved. We are so thank you that your spirit is with us, indwelling us. And he is speaking to us through your words, revealing our Lord Jesus to us and enabling us to apply that truth to change our lives. Please, please help us to be people of your word. For Christ's sake we pray. Amen.